Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education and director of Go Teach Global. Dr. Jim. Paul, you know my wife Rita does not like theological debates. So one day I cautiously asked her, how long do you think Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they ate the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Before I tell you her classic answer, let me ask our listeners, men, have you ever wondered how long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned? The Bible doesn't tell us how long, but the Bible does say that Jesus, who is called the second Adam, spent 40 days in the wilderness of Judea, east of Jerusalem, where he was tested three times by Satan. This got me thinking. Jesus is called the second Adam. So the second Adam, our Lord, spent 40 days being tested in a barren wilderness without any food. Perhaps the first Adam was tested in the Garden of Eden with plenty of food for at least 40 days. The first Adam... Our earthly father failed the test. The second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, passed the test. So I cautiously asked Rita, how long do you think Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned and ate the forbidden fruit? There was a pause, and then came her answer. Not long enough. A wise answer. I agree. So rather than debate the length of time in the Garden of Eden before Adam sinned, let's compare the first Adam and the second Adam and look at 1 Corinthians 15. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had been also passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it is not I but God who's working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, 
then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Before we go further, Jim, let me remind our listeners that this is Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. We'll tell you more at the end of the program how to get in touch with our teacher. Listen carefully to how the Apostle Paul develops his comparison of Adam, the first man, and Jesus, the second Adam. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come, when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet, and the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. The scriptures tell us, earthly people are like the earthly man, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is one of the most encouraging verses of Scripture for times when we are facing difficulties, disease, or death. The second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, has given us victory over death. I had an uncle, my father's younger brother, who became a Christian as a young boy. He married his sweetheart, attended a strong Christian church, played the organ in church, and became a valued engineer for a steel company. He even invented some new steel products. In many ways, he was a genius. But he made bad choices. His marriage ended in a bitter divorce. He never saw his son, my cousin, for some 35 years. Eventually, my uncle became an alcoholic. For over 50 years, he never went to church or had anything to do with Jesus Christ. But we kept in touch with him and visited him whenever possible. One year, he was at his winter home in Florida, drinking heavily, and collapsed in an alcoholic coma. They rushed him to the hospital and eventually flew him back to a hospital in Canada. He remained in a coma for some six months. One day, they had him sitting in a chair with his arms strapped to the chair to hold him up. He leaned forward. The straps released. He fell out of the chair, hit his head on the floor, and woke up. Wow, that must have been a shock. It was, but he woke up sober. So he discharged himself from the hospital and went home. Later, he told me that while he was in the coma, he dreamed he was buried in the ground, down deep, watching men up above him lowering caskets into the ground. And the spirits of the dead either went up or went down below into hell. Then one day my uncle phoned me and played a hymn on his small electric organ that he had in his home. It was an old familiar hymn that he had learned as a child. And he said, Jimmy, will you speak at my funeral service? I quickly prayed and answered, I would be willing to do that, Uncle, but before I say yes, I have to ask you one question. What's that, he asked. From where will you be watching your funeral service? From heaven, he replied. Of course. Not sure of his sincerity, I added, on what basis will God allow you into heaven? His reply startled me. Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, but have everlasting life. I believed that when I was a young boy playing the organ in church, and after all these years, I believe it again now. After a few more comments back and forth, I said, Uncle, I would be pleased to do your funeral service. And sometime later, I did. I told this story at his funeral, and one of my cousins asked me if I would conduct his funeral service, and then quickly added, I know, I know, I have to answer the question first, where will I be watching? That, my brothers, is the question. 
From where will you be watching your funeral service? I pray it is by faith with the second Adam, our Lord Jesus Christ, in heaven. May it be so. There you have it, men. Let's conclude with the final verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. For a printed copy or a PDF of this program's teaching, or with any questions you may have, contact Dr. Jim by sending your email to menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. For more information, go to our website at goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to be men alive, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Thank you.